Do you have a few minutes? This is Dr. Karen Bonney. Today, we're going to talk about back flare-ups. I have to admit, I roll my eyes every time someone says, oh my God, I threw my back out. Because honestly, what do you mean when you say that? Where did you throw it? Did you throw it in the trash? Did you throw it out with the bath water? Who started that saying anyways? I threw my back out. Regardless, it happens and it happens often. And if you haven't experienced it yet, it probably will happen to every single one of us at some point in our lives. So let's dig into that conversation. It would be super awesome if we could all say that we injured our back doing something super heroic, like, oh my God, I was deadlifting a car off of a trapped child. Or maybe we did something super badass, like I was competing in a strongman competition and I was lifting a semi truck and dragging it across a field. But honestly, more often than not, the initiation of a back injury is from something super silly and super simple. How many times have I heard people come in to my clinic saying, I injured my back when I sneezed in the shower, or I injured my back picking up a dog toy from the floor, or even as silly as it is, I injured my back getting out of bed. The list is long and like really super annoying from the mental side of things. We wish we had something amazing and awesome to talk about, but often it's something really silly and embarrassing. I can speak for myself. Mine occurred about five years ago after I spent two and a half hours hunched over putting together an Ikea desk. I did that thinking, oh, I'm amazing. I did not take breaks. You know, those Ikea furniture pieces, they take forever to put together. And then I stood up and it makes sense to me why that happened but it doesn't make my ego feel any better. So if you can get past the ego crusher part of this whole injuring our back from silly things, that's the first step. So why do we get flare-ups? Why do we injure our backs? Well, that's sometimes the hardest thing to answer. It's often very unknown. Your doctors may not know, your physical therapist may not know. As humans, we are all very eager to have the why, because somehow that makes us feel better. If you can swallow the fact that you may never know the why, but instead dig deep into, well, okay, it happened. Now what can I do about it? You're definitely going to be on the right track. Often what happens is it's an ongoing long-term muscular imbalance that your body did a very good job of compensating around for a very long time. And if I may say, we should probably thank our bodies for dealing with a lot of nonsense for as long as they do. Our bodies put up with a lot. They, they hide things from us. They let us go through our day without any issues. But then your body decides to talk. It decides to flare up. It wants to make itself known. It basically says, excuse me, I am done compensating for your nonsense. So here you go. Here's your pain. In the moment you will likely feel some kind of sharp, alarming pain that just doesn't feel normal or right. Sometimes it will make you want to like seize up and not move. This is totally normal. It's your body's alarm system. It's telling you not to move because something is flared up. Something is angry. Something is inflamed. But what we will dive into later is going to be my suggestion for you, which will be to make sure you don't stop moving. And I'll explain why. But let's take a minute and talk about the spine. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, 
our spinal cord starts at the base of the brain, runs throughout the cervical and thoracic spine, and typically ends at the lower part of the thoracic spine. The spinal cord does not run through the lumbar spine or the low back. After the spinal cord stops in the lower thoracic spine, the nerve roots from the lumbar and sacral levels come off the bottom of the cord like a horse's tail. They call it the cauda equina, and it exits the spine. The spinal cord can be divided into segments according to the nerve roots that branch off of it. Nerves along the cord consist of eight cervical nerves, 12 thoracic nerves, five lumbar nerves, five sacral nerves, and one coccygeal nerve. For most spinal segments, the nerve roots run through the bony canal, and at each level, a pair of nerve roots exits from the spine. Some of these nerve roots travel down to supply input to the muscles of the hips, leg, etc., and some of the nerve roots circle back to put input into the segment of the spine itself. Because our central nervous system isn't exactly good at isolating an injury to a spinal segment, it will do what it knows best, which is to kind of light up the entire nerve root that comes out of that segment. So what does that look like? If you tweaked your low back, and although you have no idea what segment of your spine it came from, let's just say it's L5S1. So the lumbar sacral junction, instead of your brain alarming you in a way that just isolates L5S1 in your low back, sometimes it makes every muscle that's innervated by L5 and S1 start hurting so that you are made aware. So you may have pain in your actual low back, but only at the start sometimes. And then sometimes you don't have pain in the low back at all. Once things kind of settle in, you may actually start to notice that The only pain you experience is pain in your glutes, the outer edge of your hip, or pain in the top of your foot, or pain in your calf, things that kind of confuse you. You're like, why do I all of a sudden have like multiple injuries down my leg when really it's coming from the origin of an injury to your spinal segment? Our bodies are super complex, and honestly, it's very scary when this situation happens, especially if it's your first time. The sharpness that you feel, the frozen state of your body, making it feel as if you cannot move, it's all really alarming, especially if you've never experienced something like this before. We're all super accustomed to like, oh, the workout soreness of my hamstrings. I had a good workout. My legs feel tight. That's a common feeling, and we understand what it means. When something happens and your body feels something new and sharper, It's all kind of alarming, especially when it's in the spine, for whatever reason, our brain is like, oh my gosh, the spine is so delicate. I get really scared when something happens in that area. It's a big deal for sure. And I do not want to lessen your experience or the alarmness of it, but I want to try to impress upon you all that it's going to be okay. You're not going to be paralyzed. You're not going to die. And you can, in fact, take control of the situation. I think that's the scariest part. Most people feel so out of control that it's getting more increasingly painful and scary because of the simple fact that they don't know what to do or there is a lack of control mentally. So what can you do? You can take time to learn about it and have resources to help yourself in the moment. And that's what you're doing right now. So what can you do? First and foremost, I think you should have my information saved so that I can help you in the acute phase of the issue. 
The quicker you get guidance, the better off you're going to be. I've done it for friends. I've done it for family. I've reached out to my own therapy friends in the moment of my issue. The faster you get some guidance, the better off you're going to be. Have you ever heard of the saying, motion is lotion? It's super applicable here. If we let you and your body do what you and your body thinks is right in the moment of an acute flare-up, you're going to freeze up. You're going to stay in the exact same position that you got injured in. Your muscles will get super guarded. They're going to freeze up. They're going to tighten up as it should. It's trying to help. But let me make myself clear. There's very few actual moments during an injury where you actually want to stabilize and immobilize, so not move. And surprisingly enough, this low back flare-up is not one of those times where you want to stay immobilized. So let's talk about what you can do to help regain a little bit of that lost movement and instability. So in this example, let's say... You reach down to pick up a dog toy to put it away in the basket, and you immediately have a sharp pain in your low back. Your hand goes immediately to feel your back because you want to kind of feel what's going on, or maybe both your hands go immediately to your knees to help support yourself because you feel like you're about to fall over. You realize quickly that you can't stand up straight, like into full hip extension, If you are able to walk, I would get to a chair or a couch so that you can crawl your way down to the ground. Maybe you can start with like a hands and knees tabletop position. In this position, I would encourage you to try to attempt very small, gentle, like cat cow range of motion to see if you can just get your back to relax a little bit. If that's a no go, maybe getting all the way down on your back with your knees bent, feet on the floor. This position will give you like a little bit more like tactile support. So the floor underneath your back, you may feel a little more secure, a little more stable. And so now in this position, you're going to try to do the same things that we discussed before, regain the stability, and then also regain some of the lost motion. Stability is not the first thing we think of when we think of like getting injured often, the normal human brain is going to think, okay, I feel stiff. I feel tight in my muscles. I probably should be like stretching or something, but I'm here to suggest otherwise. So it's kind of a combination of providing your delicate back more stability so that it reintroduces some of the motion and loosens up from some of that aftermath of the injury. So what do I mean by that? So instead of thinking, oh, I need to stretch my hamstrings, I need to figure out how to stretch my back, maybe you run through a few deep core activation exercises, contracting your deep core, which is your transverse abdominis. The way that we do that is we pull our belly button into your spine and maybe do some glute activation squeezes. Once you've attempted a few belly button pull-ins, glute activation squeezes, then it's, it's all about regaining some of that motion. So if you're still in the same position, you're on your back, your knees are bent, you would then start to bring in some of those pelvic tilts. So while you're lying there, just try to regain some of the flexion and extension of your spine with the pelvic tilts, tucking your tailbone under and then sticking your tailbone out. Everything's super gentle. 
there's not going to be huge motions. You're going to be fighting against some of these movements anyways, because of the discomfort and the pain that you might be experiencing. You could also start to bring one knee gently up towards your chest to flirt with some of that hip flexion to see if we can regain some of that. You could also attempt some side to side windshield wiper motions with your knees bent to kind of regain a little bit of that rotation motion. And lastly, you will want to try to flip over onto your belly to get into a prone prop position to try to regain some of that spinal extension. So it's easy to talk about this format, but in the moment you're going to be in pain, you're going to be nervous, you're going to be sweating bullets because you think you're dying, but I want to encourage you just take a few deep breaths and focus on some of the small attempts that we mentioned previously. It's all going to be small. The more you can do, the better. And don't put any pressure on yourself for this to happen quickly. This may be a ongoing process of you know, maybe you're trying to do this for 30 minutes. I know that's going to sound crazy and nobody wants to be in pain or in an uncomfortable position for 30 minutes. But honestly, think micromillimeters of stability and motion regaining. You will basically go micromillimeter by micromillimeter, lowering the alarm system that's going off in your central nervous system. You are then taking control of the scenario. This gives you the power You may be in pain and you may be super uncomfortable, but you will be taking charge of reducing that discomfort. And I think that's half the battle is regaining your own control of this unknown, scary situation. And let's not forget, this is just day one, hour one of the situation. You may likely be dealing with this for a few days or maybe a week, but that doesn't mean you have to be debilitated. This is where I want to empower each and every one of you to have resources at your fingertips. This is when it's super important to reach out for support, get a session with a physical therapist, learn about what your underlying imbalances are to prevent this from happening again. Take ownership of your weakness. Give your body the fighting chance to be the best it can be. And it's not to say that you will never have a flare up again. Often, They do come again, but if you've learned what you need to learn and then applied what changes you need to apply, you should be better suited to have minor disturbances when your body reminds you of these imperfections. And hopefully it's way less alarming than the first time. You have to take action. You have to stay consistent. You have to own the responsibility to be the best version of yourself physically, but you're not alone and you're not expected to do this alone. And as always, if you need guidance and resources when you flare up, or better yet, do it now when you haven't flared up. If you've never had a situation before, this is the time to get ahead of it. You know where to find me, karenbonnie.com.